Good morning, Seven Mile. It's good to see everyone today. I'm actually uh, very excited to preach today's message because I think many of us would testify that God has been good to us. Um, Even singing the first worship song today, it, it just reminds me of how good God is that he has made himself known to us, that we get to come together as a people and worship his holy name. And he has loved us before we even loved him. And he offers salvation to all who would put their trust in him. How awesome is that? How beautiful that is that? Um, I'm going to talk about an issue that is really, I believe, relevant to a lot of us. At least as I talk to a lot of people about the subject matter this week. A lot of people um, said they at times have struggled in this area. It's, um, the big idea is fools envy the wicked are sinners, but the wise desire God, and the wise understand that we have it all because we have Christ. And it can be tempting because we have a sinful nature, and sometimes our hearts tend to act so wickedly. It can be a struggle at times to think that those who reject the gospel, reject the fatherhood of God, live according to their own rules, and live for their own glory it can be tempting to think sometimes that they might have it better than us. Maybe because they have material wealth or their lives look like they're much easier or they don't have to get up on Sunday morning to come to church. You know, it can be tempting with our sinful hearts to look at them and to envy them. David said he struggled in this area. He said, I almost stumbled. That was a text we read earlier. And my feet almost slipped Because I saw the prosperity of the wicked. He said it was a wearisome task. It was even a burden to try to figure it out. And I believe at times many of us ask questions. Why do the wicked sometimes, the wicked being defined as those who reject the authority of God and those who reject the fatherhood and the love of God and reject the gospel, why do they seem to have it good sometimes? Like David said, why do they seem to live their life be fat and sleek. I guess that was good back in the day if you were fat and sleek. That meant you had a lot of grub and things were good. Why does it seem like they have it so good and they suffer no pain until death? He said it, it weighed on his soul and he wrestled with this question until he went to the sanctuary of the Lord. And he discerned the end of the wicked. The end of those who reject the Almighty. Not only did he discern the end of the wicked, he saw the future of the righteous. And this is so important. He saw that the end of a wicked man's life is only death, destruction, and eternal damnation. But he saw the future of the righteous was glory and honor. And we would inherit God himself. And he said, above anything on this earth... I desire God. And I want us to see this today. That we have it all because we have Christ. Though our hearts may fail, and I will say we all at times probably have struggled with this area. But David said, even though my heart fails, our heart may fail, God is still our portion. That's how good he is. He's still our refuge. He's still draws near to us. He still is our refuge. That we 
get to have him. And that is the true treasure in this life. And that is the true treasure for all of eternity. That Christ died so that we could be reconciled to the Father by the power of the Spirit. Now, if we look at some of the Old Testament saints' life and some of the New Testament saints' lives, I don't think many of us would say, man, I want to trade places with him. I don't think we'd look at the life of Jeremiah having to preach from when he was a young boy, a hard, hard message. People wanted to kill him. They mocked him. They oppressed him. They scorned him. There were days where he said, man, curse the day I was born. He even said, curse the person who brought the news to my daddy the day I was born. He struggled. And I don't think too many of us would say, man, I want to be like Jeremiah. I want to preach my whole life and only see two converts. I want to preach a hard message and see two people respond to my message. And that's what Jeremiah did. But Jeremiah had everything because he had God. Because of the reward that was set before him. Because he lived a life that was pleasing to God. How many people want to change places with Ezekiel? This brother had to lay on his side for a year straight. Just for a sign. You want me to lay on my left side for a year? I don't think there were people lined up. Man, I want to trade places with that brother. No way. And I think the people of Israel would have, been, have heard it like this. They would have heard their history. They would have understand that many of their ancestors were slaves and suffered under bondage. And at lo- many times they were the oppressed. They were the oppressed. And so I don't, I'm sure it was tempting to the heart of a Hebrew slave when they were getting whipped and had to do tough manual labor. To say, man, do we have it good or do the Egyptians have it good? They're living in temples. They're having feasts. They're making us do all the work. And we're the covenant people of God. But I would say because they were the covenant people of God, they had it all. We cannot measure success. We can't measure joy by what we have and how easy our life is. We measure it by whether we have Christ or not. And so that's what Solomon's trying to really tell us in this text. He's trying to let us know, listen, do not envy the man of violence. Do not envy the wicked because you have it all. And he compares the life and the reward of the saint to the death and the destruction of the wicked. And he goes point by point to really um, let us know the truth. And let's just pray. Father... You are a good God. You have been so good to us. And you know that many times our heart fails. And we really don't see that we have it all because we've been reconciled to you. We don't really see how blessed we are. But we know that you're merciful and you forgive us. And I pray that you would teach us through your word today. That there is so much joy to be found in being your child. And being your children. And that we've been given life and life more abundantly because we've been given you. Amen. Okay, so in verse 31, it says, Do not envy a man of violence and do not choose any of his ways. So who and what is a a man of violence? A man of violence is someone who takes by force. They don't care who they step on or who they hurt or what lives they throw into chaos. They don't care um, 
even if they use sinful, um, they achieve success in a sinful manner. They don't care because they answer to no one. If someone messes with them, they're going to pay the price. They rule through intimidation and fear. These are guys like Tony Soprano. Now, I really got to watch my heart because I like the Sopranos. Part of it is because I'm half Italian, half Irish. You would never know both my uh, grandfather's full-blooded Irish redheads. But they are. Both my grandmother's full-blooded Italian. I came out looking like, Natalie says, I think I'm an original Guido. (laughs) But so I really have to watch my heart. And I have to make sure that my heart doesn't envy men like this. And why would we envy men like this? Because they have power. Well, what we think is power. They take control. And this is an area, at least in my life, I have to repent of. Repent in a lot. Because I don't like not being in control. And as a a child of God, God makes the plans for our lives. And it's tough. I like everything laid out. I like being in control. I don't like being accountable to anyone. I like just doing it the way I like it. And this is what these men do. They do what they like. If someone doesn't like it, they suffer the consequences. And we should not be like these men. We should not want to take by force. And we should think about others and if our actions are going to hurt them or if we're going to step on someone. And we shouldn't want to achieve success at all costs, even if that cost is rejecting God and his authority and his love and hurting others. This is what violent men do. He says, don't choose any of their ways. It can be tempting to choose their ways. We want to choose their ways because we want what they want. We want power, control, fortune, fame, money, wealth, the pleasures of this earth. And I learned this real quick when I, at times we can want those things. I'm saying in our sinful nature. God, by his grace, teaches us to desire him. But when I first got into the trades, I've been in business for myself about six or seven, almost seven years now. I'm an electrical contractor. And I didn't realize how many violent men were in the trades. I didn't realize how many vultures were in the trades. How many men didn't care who they hurt. They didn't care who they took advantage of. They didn't care who they beat out for money. They didn't care about people. All they cared about was getting their money, their power, their vacation home, their boats, their toys. That's all they cared about. And so I jumped in. I was vulnerable, and I did a work for a couple of GCs, and they beat me out for money when I first got in. They know when you're green. They see you and say, man, you want some work? And so they beat me out for money. And let me tell you how my heart felt. It felt violence. I really, there was this one guy, man. My heart was in a bad place. I was fantasizing, going over his house, slashing his tire. I had the bat picked out. I was going through the windows. I was calling him outside and just pacing my kitchen. It was so tempting to adopt his ways because of the way he had treated me. Who does he think he is messing with? Does he know what I was like before God redeemed my soul? You know, all these things went through my heart. And I really had to keep my heart in check. And I almost stumbled and my feet almost slipped. And I said, I'm not going to. I had to make a decision then that I don't care if I lose everything. I'm not going to become like these men if I get into business. I'm going to be honest. 
I'm going to be fair with people. I'm not going to take advantage of people. And I'm not going to become like these men. And God has honored that. God has honored that. He's always taking care of me. But this is what Solomon is telling us. It is tempting to react like that. But don't fall into that temptation. And this is why. He says, because the wicked really do not have it all. And he goes on to compare right here and to let us know the reward of the righteous and the destruction of the wicked. In verse 32, it says, For the devious person is abomination, is an abomination to the Lord, but the upright are in his combination. I would think as followers of Christ that many of us want to live lives that are pleasing to our Father. That's one of my greatest motivations is to please God. I, I love for my life to please God. I love when it all said and done and I see him face to face. I love for him to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And by his grace, through the personal work of Jesus, he will. But I also want my actions to bring glory to my Father. He said, let your works glorify him. And so it would be foolishness for me to envy a man who is an abomination to our Father. To envy a man who is disgusting in the eyes of the Lord. Would we want to please him? And you see in the previous verses of this chapter, the Lord's really concerned with how we treat each other. He's talking about our neighbor and treating each other. And this is the greatest commandment to love God and love others. And he is not pleased when we deal with each other violently. He's not um, pleased when we take by force. He's not pleased when we step on each other. And I know even with my kids, I'm so pleased when I see them treating each other well, and I see them treating others well. I'm so pleased, and I let them know, good girl. And I can see the smile on their face, and I can see them light up. And I think that's great motivator, that we can know when we don't adopt the ways of a violent man, that the Lord is pleased with us, and that he will take care of us. And that he, he just loves when we act in a humble manner towards one another. And it says, we are in his confidence, the righteous. The Lord has revealed secrets to us that not all men know. He's revealed the mystery of the gospel to us, not because of anything we deserve, but because of his grace. He's revealed it through his spirit and through his word. That we know in a broad and a narrow sense his purposes for us. He died the purpose of his work on the cross to die for us. To reconcile us to him. To impute his righteousness to us. To make us new. To one day make all things new. To redeem all creation. That we one day will inherit heaven and a new heaven and a new earth. We know that he's loving and that he is compassionate, and that he is merciful. Not everyone knows this. Not everyone knows this, but God, through his grace, has revealed to all those who have responded to his grace in faith, repented, and put their faith in Jesus Christ, he has revealed his truth to us. Now, can we know every detail of God's mind? Absolutely not. But he revealed us enough, enough truth that we know enough to know that he is love, that he loves us, that his purposes are good towards us and that we have nothing to worry about. That he has created us for his glory and our joy. 
We're in his confidence. He's revealed that to us. He calls us his children and his friends. It's tough to get a hold of that, that the almighty God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, has made himself personal to us, has been intimate with us, that loves us in a deeper way than we could ever know. And this is truth. Some might ask, is this truth? This is truth. And I'm so thankful that with, for that truth that we are in his confidence and how deep is the Father's love for us. In 33, he just goes on to talk about the rewards of the righteous and the destruction of the wicked. It says, the Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. Those who have rejected the gospel are still under the wrath of God. They are still under the curse of God. If they are under the curse of God, that means their houses are under the curse of God. And don't measure it by how much wealth they have, how much power, how much fun they seem to have. You cannot be truly content if you do not have Christ because we were created to be one with God. You can't. And all we see is deceiving because we, by God's grace, have been given it all because we've been given Christ. Our houses are blessed. We are blessed. Just spending time with my girls yesterday, it was a woman's retreat. So a lot of us daddies had the children. We start off the day strong, about 4 o'clock, we're looking at the clock, like, where are they at? <laughs> but I got to spend time with uh, my girls, and we're running around the house, playing games, watching movies, and I just, and I'm sure many of us can uh, relate to this, just those moments, you say, man, the Lord has blessed my house. Praying with my wife this week, and I said, wow. We can pray to, pray to God because of the work of Jesus. I can come boldly knowing that he hears my prayers. And I said, we could live in a cardboard box, man. Give me Jesus. I'd rather be in a cardboard box with Jesus and my family than in a mansion without the presence of the Lord. And being able to introduce my, my daughters to the gospel and read the word of God to them and know that... Um, Sharing truth with them. What can measure? What, what can compare with that? God is just so good to us. And I don't think there will be one person, one saint of God, who will look back when it's all said and done and say, my house wasn't blessed. He would say, my house was blessed because we had God. And I know that at times, we go through trials, we go through tribulation, we suffer loss, and it's hard. But I can guarantee you that the reward is far greater for the saint than the sinner because the reward is Christ. It says, towards the scorners, he is scornful, but to the humble, he gives favor. It says he laughs from his throne in heaven and he holds them in derision who mock God. He resists 
the proud, those who would oppress God's people, those who would even mock with their words the Almighty God. He resists them. But he gives favor to the humble. C.J. Mahaney defines humility like this. Humility is honestly assessing ourselves in the light of God's holiness and our sinfulness. And I'm going to do my first Jonathan Edwards quote, and Justin's so proud of me. He says, the pleasures of humility are the most refined, inward, and exquisite delights in the world. These dudes talk funny back in the day, but I got his point. One of you dudes come up to me and say, God is an exquisite delight. I'd be like, come on, stop. Take that talk somewhere else. <laughs> but we understand what he is saying. And there's so much truth to that. When we can just sit as children of God, knowing how sinful we are, but knowing despite that sin that God has loved us and has reconciled us to himself and that he's changing us and he's transforming us and he's showing us true life. There is no joy like that. The Lord's been working on my heart, my heart in a few areas this week. Just one of those weeks where I saw so much sinfulness in my heart. And so I had times of brokenness, just times of repentance where I said, man, just when you think you get past something, you realize how sinful you are. And God reveals how holy he is and how sinful we are. And so I had a good little time of repenting. And I just felt so at peace because I realized I was, I was in the right place. Stand, standing and kneeling as a sinner saved by grace. Happy is the person who realizes that. That we are all sinners saved by grace. Who have received this treasure. The treasure of Christ. Not because of anything we've done. But because God is good. And then Solomon finally says, he tells us what the inheritance of the wise and the righteous are and what the inheritance of the wicked is. The wise will inherit honor, but fools get disgrace. In this whole sermon series, we've been talking about being wise by God's grace and staying away from folly. I think anyone who decides to take a path or choose a direction, we look at what is the reward at the end of this road. And he says the reward for the wise is honor and glory. And I think this is the only way that many of the saints could and can live their lives. So my wife brought up a, a beautiful point last night when we were talking. What about people who are martyred? I know that's hard to understand in our culture because we really, we have a good in a lot of ways that we don't many times suffer um, the danger of, of death for preaching the gospel. But these people, these men and women, our brothers and sisters, have to assess the situation and say, is this worth dying for? Is the message of Christ worth dying for? Is the reward at the end worth it? Is this true? And the only way that they could have laid down their life to bring glory to their Father in heaven was that they said the reward at the end is far greater than any temporary pleasure on this earth. 
And I want to encourage you that the reward at the end of this life, when we see the Almighty face to face, is far greater than any suffering we will go through in this life. The suffering will only help us know Christ. Because we will inherit glory. It says, no eye has seen, nor ear has heard what the Lord has in store for us. I don't want to fully know because I want to be surprised. It's going to be good because God is good. And he's a great dad. And his children are going to be living in eternal joy. Number one, because they're with him. And number two, because he loves us. But the wicked have a far different end. Those who reject the gospel, those who reject the love of God and his fatherhood, will suffer eternal punishment in the end. They will be eternally separated from God. They will suffer torment. They will live in disgrace. An eternal disgrace. Why would we envy the wicked when this is their end and our end is glory? And I hope we, we see this coming out of today. Just even these scriptures reminded me of how good we have it because we have Christ and how not so good those who don't have Christ have it. Then we look And we think about, okay, if we're not supposed to envy the violent man or choose any of his ways, who should we desire to be like? And whose ways should we choose? Everyone already knows the answer to this. I mean, come on. Jesus. Who lived a life that was more full, more full, that was more happy and abundant and more fulfilling than Jesus Yet he only lived 33 years. He was murder, murdered. He was beat down. He suffered ridicule that we'd never understand and rejection that we would never understand. Yet his life was so joyful. Was his life pleasing to the Lord? There is not a life that was more pleasing to the Almighty God than the life that Jesus lived towards the Father and brought glory to his name. How the Son of God glorified the Father in such a beautiful way. Now, what if Jesus was violent? What if Jesus was violent? What if he came down here and he took by force and everyone who had a problem with him, he'd give a backhand? What if he wasn't willing to go to the cross because he said, I shouldn't have to go to the cross. I'm the son of God. Then we wouldn't be experienced the freedom that we experience. He went like a lamb, goes to the slaughter for us. And he really showed us how to do it. He didn't retaliate with violence. He retaliated with love. And that, those should be the ways that we choose, the way that we choose. Was Jesus humble? If you think that we struggle, at times can struggle with humility, imagine the humility of God, that him being God takes on flesh 
suffers under our violence, really, and endures the cross. And why did he endure that cross? For his glory and our joy. For the joy that was set before him, he endured that cross for you and me. So we could sit here today knowing in confidence that we are in God's confidence that he loves us and we have an eternal reward waiting for us. Now, what is the inheritance of Christ? He has and will inherit honor, the most honor. He's inherited the name that is above all names, the name that we will worship for all eternity, the name by which everything was brought together, the name of Christ. So I would encourage you today just to remember this truth. And when our hearts want to fail us and we want to envy the wicked and envy sinners, just to be reminded that we have it all because we have Christ. And we have God who is our portion and our refuge forever. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, even now, hearing these words of truth, from the scriptures it's hard to fully comprehend your love for us but we know that you love us because we've seen what you have done on the cross for us Lord I pray that you would continue to help us see the joy that we have in you and to remember the reward that is waiting for us as sons and daughters of you. Continue to bless us in your grace as you have done, Lord. And I just thank you that you have caused us to see your love and that we can experience your love and we can know your presence and know your spirits, your spirit, and that we can experience you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Amen.